Well, hello and welcome to the CSF July monthly podcast. Now this month, four papers have been uploaded to the CSF website, and today I'm going to highlight two of those papers, both of which relate to the phase three upadacitinib program. Now the first paper I'm going to highlight is the upadacitinib phase three trial Select Beyond, which analyzes the safety and efficacy of upadacitinib in patients with active RA refractory to biologic DMARDs. First author here, Mark Genovese out of Stanford. Now, background fairly straightforward. Upadacitinib is an oral selective JAK1 inhibitor, and in phase two trials, it improved the signs and symptoms in people with rheumatoid arthritis who had an inadequate response to methotrexate or in fact to TNF inhibitors. And Select Beyond is a double blind phase three clinical trial. The trial arm was uh, basically uh, designed to assess the safety and efficacy of the paracitinib in patients who were biologic DMR inadequate responders. First 12 weeks of this study are double blind and placebo controlled, and this was followed by a, a double blind extension for up to five years. Patients were on background conventional synthetic DMARDs and were randomized two to two to two to one to receive uparacitinib, uh, 15 or 30 milligrams placebo for 12 weeks, followed by uparacitinib, 15 or 30 milligrams. So, and this paper, they're presenting the, the 24 week data of the trial. So primary endpoints were the proportion of patients achieving an ACR20, the proportion of patients having a DAS28 CRP response less than 3.2, both achieved at 12 weeks. And there were a variety of secondaries uh, highlighting particularly for you ACR50 and 70, ACR20 at week one, a HACK disability index and uh, changes from baseline to week 12 in the HACK DI DAS28 SF36 physical component scores. Now, what are the key results? Well, 498 patients were enrolled and received at least one dose of study drug. 419 patients completed 24 weeks of treatment. And the discontinuations are detailed in the paper, but were due to adverse events or lack of efficacy. Now, significantly more patients achieved an ACR20 and DAS28 CRP less than or equal to 3.2 when they were given uparacitinib at 15 or 30 milligrams compared to placebo. And in fact, from as early as week one, there were more patients achieving ACR20 on the active drug compared to placebo. So it looks like there's a rapid onset of effect. The ACR responses were maintained to week 24 and they were similar between patients initially given uparacitinib and those who switched from placebo to active drug at week 12. Now, significantly more patients given aparacitinib achieved low disease activity measured by a variety of disease activity measures, DAS28, CRP, CDI, or SDI. Now, up to week 12, the incidences of adverse events were similar for placebo and aparacitinib 15 milligrams, but seemed to be a little higher for aparacitinib 30 milligrams. Uh, at week 12, common adverse events included upper respiratory tract infection, nasal pharyngitis, uh, UTIs and worsening of RA. So what do we conclude from this? Well, it looks like once daily doses of paracitinib are effective in treating rheumatoid arthritis patients with moderate to severe disease who've previously had an inadequate response to biologic DMARDs. Both doses of apatacitinib uh, seem to bring rapid and significant improvements compared to placebo 
And both doses appear to have similar efficacy, although it does look as if there may be a, an increased rate of adverse events in the higher dose group. Uh, this is a, a very interesting analysis. When we see this program taken in context along with other phase three trials, it'll give us a very clear idea of what the potential the parasitinib might have uh, for us in the treatment of RA populations. Now, the second paper I want to highlight is a 12-week data outcome from the apatacitinib phase three trial, SELECT NEXT. Now, this analyzed the safety and efficacy of apatacitinib in patients with RA who were conventional synthetic DMARD inadequate responders. First author here is Gert Burmester from Charity in Berlin. Now, the, the background here, we, we've discussed already what apatacitinib is. Uh, this is uh, a phase three trial looking at extended release formulation. The trial was recruiting patients with active rheumatoid arthritis who were conventional synthetic DMARD inadequate responders. Now the study designed as SELECT NEXT was similar to SELECT BEYOND. First 12 weeks of the study were double blind and placebo controlled followed by a double blind extension for up to five years. The uh, randomizations were, as I've already described, for SELECT BEYOND. The primary endpoints, again, an ACR20 and DAS CRP less than 3.2, both at week 12. And again, amongst the secondaries, reporting here on ACR50 and 70 at week 12, ACR20 at week 1, DAS28 CRP less than 2.6 definition of remission at week 12, and also change from baseline to week 12 in HACDI, DAS28 CRP, and the physical component of the SF36. So 661 patients were enrolled in SELECT NEXT with 618 patients completing 12 weeks of treatment. Uh, for the primary endpoints, well, 64% of patients taking apatacitinib 15, 66% taking 30 milligrams, and 36% taking placebo achieved an ACR20 at week 12. 48% uh, of patients taking apatacitinib 15 milligrams, and the same number taking apatacitinib 30 milligrams, compared to only 17% of placebo patients achieving a DAS28 CRP of less than 3.2, again at week 12. So significantly more patients achieved ACR20 response with hepatocytinib 15 or 30 milligrams than placebo as early as week one. And there were improvements from baseline and hack disability index. And these again were greater for the active drug as compared with placebo at all time points. And similarly improvements from baseline and DAS28 CRP were significantly greater for patients receiving UPA 15 or 30 milligrams compared with placebo at all time points. And interestingly, and this is important because we are looking for high hurdle responses, at week 12, significantly more patients receiving hepatocytinib achieved a DAS28 CRP less than 2.6 compared with placebo. In terms of safety, the uh, most frequently reported adverse events were nausea, nasal pharyngitis, URTI, and headache. And there were more infections reported overall for hepatocytinib than placebo. And the implications here, well, uh, it looks like patient reported significant improvement in their clinical signs and symptoms of RA when given hepatocytic compared with placebo. Uh, it would appear that the drug has a favorable benefit to risk profile, although clearly we need to see the whole of the phase three program to be persuaded of that. Really need to understand a little more about the infection profile also here before we can properly understand its place in therapy. 
quick reminder, uh, we did put two other papers onto the CSF website this month. Uh, one is a review of the risk of developing thromboembolism associated with JAK inhibitors, and the other is a nice single technology appraisal of cerilumab. And the authors here, Professors Ian Scott and Enigno Bermejo, respectively. Now, please don't forget that all of the content discussed in this podcast is available in a more detailed slide format in the publication section at cytokinesignaling.com. And please do subscribe to our podcast channel. Let us know what you think by reviewing the podcast. Well, thanks ever so much for your attention. I hope you found this useful, interesting time in rheumatology, and these are really helpful new trials informing our practice. Thanks very much indeed.